All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be talking playoffs as both the NBA and the Stanley Cup playoffs are underway. We'll start with the NBA. We'll talk about the play-in tournament, our thoughts on the new format for this postseason, and we'll talk about plenty of specific teams, our Celtics, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Nets, the Clippers, the Knicks, you know, all of them. We'll give our thoughts on the first round, the matchups that we do know, and give some of our predictions for the the rest of the postseason tournament. And we'll do similar stuff with the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk about the East Division. We'll talk about the Bruins facing the Washington Capitals, the Penguins facing the New York Islanders, and some of the other important things from the other three divisions is the NHL has its own interesting format this year with the All-Canadian Division, and it's led to some potential matchups that we wouldn't get in the traditional East-West alignment. Finally, we'll wrap things up with our five question segment where we will answer questions on the NFL's new 17 game schedule with that being released last week. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk about Medina Spirit and uh, his controversial Kentucky Derby win and him racing in the Preakness Stakes a couple weeks later. And we'll talk about the CDC's latest updated guidance that vaccinated individuals no longer need to wear masks, no longer need to physically distance, and the effects that's going to have on sporting events and uh, potentially going to a stadium right now at full capacity. So with that, let's get started. Uh, let's get into this. Let's get ready to talk some playoffs. Actually, real quickly, I, I do want to bring this up. So um, did you see the SNL sketch this weekend about the last dance with uh, Keegan-Michael Key? I've seen the last dance, but I've not seen the skit. I I highly recommend this to you and anyone who's listening who who you know is a fan of The Last Dance, which I'm pretty sure any basketball fan would be. Um, so basically... You know, it was a year ago this time was kind of like the backdrop for why they're doing this. And Keegan-Michael Key, like we know Key and Peele is hilarious. So it definitely had more of a feel of a Key and Peele sketch than an SNL sketch. But basically it's just, um, so you remember like the scene with like the Chicago Bulls security guard and Jordan when they were playing like quarters against the wall and the security guard won. Yeah, he did like the little shrug. Yeah, he did the shrug. Yeah, so they basically say this is like a deleted scene and it's just, uh, you know, Michael Jordan loses and he's like and I took that personally and then he just keeps playing more and more games and keeps winning from him and uh you know the the security guard is uh not able to keep up with the the high stakes play of Jordan it, it gets out of hand but it's like it's a hilarious thing because it's like you could totally see this actually happening just given how competitive he is and Keenan Thompson comes in playing uh Charles Barkley who gets in on it in the betting so 
Yeah, it's it's really well done. It's one of the funniest things SNL has done in a long time. So highly recommend checking that out as soon as you stop recording. Anyway, let's uh let's talk about current NBA playoff stuff and we'll uh we'll start off by talking about the play in tournament. So this is the first year that the NBA is doing the play in tournament with this format. So in the bubble, I know you remember this. You said it was your favorite game when the uh the Portland Trailblazers and Memphis Grizzlies played for the 8 seed. I I love playing games, whether if it's baseball yeah. or basketball. I I love them. It, it, there's a lot of drama even though it's uh you know against two teams or more than two teams that are likely not going to win the NBA championship, it still has plenty of drama given that it's a one or two games for potential winners and losers uh, for the last two seeds in their respective conferences. It's definitely an exciting concept, and the uh, the NBA is continuing that this year. It's The format is a little different. Instead of just competing for that final eight seed, you end up with, like you said, the last two seeds on the line. So the seven and eighth place teams play for the seven seed. The ninth and tenth place teams play for the right to play for the eight seed against the loser of the seven-eight game. So I guess given that, what are your thoughts on this format like what are your your expectations for it do you like it do you think there are ways it could be improved without having seen it played because you know at the time of recording we haven't even had a game tip off yet I mean yeah and I'm sure in hindsight I'll have a different opinion but as of right now I I'm actually a fan of the format not just for this season but I could totally be a fan of it uh from beyond this year and have uh have those teams that are in that 9 10 uh, seed in the East or Western Conference actually have uh, a legitimate reason to still be competing at the end of the year and have less teams uh, be tanking uh, at the end. Yeah, and I, I like it for the same reason. Like You have more teams that have a shot to make the playoffs, and because of that, you have less teams that are tanking. I think that's really what the NBA is trying to go for here. And I think it worked for the most part, at least down the stretch. You had teams like New Orleans, Sacramento, Chicago, Toronto, where it's like they still had a chance to make the playoffs. So they weren't necessarily going into full on tank mode until you know they eventually were eliminated. But I think that because of that, there is a lot of potential to this. I I do have like a little bit of a critique. I don't I don't really love the whole concept of like the 7-8 game. That's really the only thing. And like not even in the sense that the loser isn't eliminated, but I don't know if there's a ton of incentive either way for the 7 seed versus the 8 seed. So and you I want something like a 9 versus 10 seed play play the 8 the winner plays the 8 seed and the yeah, 7 I mean, seed is already in. I don't know. I don't know if that's like the way that I want to go about it. Um, maybe that's that's all it is. Just play for the eight seed. I just, I guess, like, so let's talk about the Celtics because the Celtics are playing the playing tournament. They're facing the Wizards. They're seventh place. They're playing. You know, if they win the tonight or last night, when it, whatever happens, if they won, they'd end up being the seventh seed. They play the two seeded Brooklyn Nets. If they lose, then they would have to win on Thursday against the winner of Charlotte, Indiana. Uh, but they would end up being the eight seed and face the 76ers. And I'm kind of struggling on this because my expectations of the Celtics at this point are pretty low with Jalen Brown being injured. I don't really give the Celtics much of a uh, chance even if either team. Even if Jalen Brown was still healthy, I'm I'm super low on the Celtics right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that this season has not gone 
to expectation, which they were already. Well, we like both not, we both expected them they to weren't be super underwhelming, high. but yeah. I don't think we expected them to be this bad to the On point the where they're actually the in the playing tournament. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that either. So it, it's definitely been disappointing how things have played out. But I keep going back and forth because on the one hand, like you kind of want to win tonight and just get in. You don't want it to come down to that game. But on the other hand, I almost feel like the Celtics path is goes from you know no chance having to face Brooklyn and either Miami or Milwaukee in the second round to maybe a chance facing a 76ers team who they've, you know, it, they've had no, their I, number I, in the playoffs. I, and I agree with that. Of the Hawks. I know the Sixers so. have looked better this year, but I would rather, I still would rather have the Celtics play the Sixers than the Nets. Cause I don't see many teams, if any, um, taking down Brooklyn, given their three obvious stars and the rest of their team. But but even though even though Philly has looked much better this year, especially given that Doc is now their coach and not Brett Brown, I still think there's a chance that they could be vulnerable. And who knows? Maybe the Celtics, no matter who the coach is, they just match up better with Philly for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, when I'm talking odds here, it's like it's. I still think they're low. I still don't think the Celtics beat the Sixers. And you know, at the same time, it's like. I would personally rather the Celtics lose to the Nets in the first round than the 76ers. Like, the Nets is, like, they're a loaded team. Like you said, there's no expectation of beating them. 76ers, it's a, that, that's more of a rivalry. So I wouldn't want to lose to them, even if it's, like, you know, a 1-8 matchup where the Celtics don't really have a chance anyway. That's a good point. You know, give, give Sixers fans, like, something to, to be happy about. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's kind of where my thought process is when it comes to the 7-8 game. And when I look in the Western Conference with the Lakers and the Warriors, I mean, is there really a huge difference between the Jazz and the Suns when it comes to the one or the two seed? I mean, and, I mean, I think the Jazz have better size with Gobert uh, down low, and then the Suns probably have a better backcourt with Chris Paul and yeah, Devin they're, they're Booker. Teams. So they're yeah, they're differing teams in their skill sets, but does it make a difference in terms of uh, difficulty? Probably not. It's probably about yeah. the same. That's that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. And that's kind of why I'm like, you know, does it really make sense to have these seven, eight games where it's like, okay, one of these teams gets a seven seed, the other one is still alive anyway, and it's like, who cares if they're the seven or the eight at that point? Um but obviously, like I said, you if you lose that game, then you still have to win another one. And I don't know that I would love the Celtics' chances against the Hornets any more than I would against the Wizards. And I, I think that the Lakers or the Warriors' loser is just going to beat Memphis or San Antonio. But it's, that's just kind of the, the mindset that I have going into this, where it's like, I, I like the concept. I like that it's kept more teams alive, but it feels like there's a maybe... Maybe a better way they can go th- about it. I think in the East, there's a legitimate shot of one of either Charlotte or Indiana actually making it into the into the postseason. But I, I kind of agree with you when it comes to the Western Conference. I mean, with how how Steph has looked of late, where I mean, he's not going to win MVP, but I think he he'll finish uh, near the top uh, behind Jokic and maybe others. And then LeBron is finally back from his injury. Yeah, he looked a little. Uh, Gimpy uh, in the last game, or he tweaked his ankle a little bit, but uh, I he looked he looked pretty good coming back from the injury. So I think I think it's uh, just a matter of time with for the Lakers and Warriors that they'll likely get in uh, both of them. 
before the season started, we did um, just some of our like bold predictions. We didn't really, you know, break down every single playoff seed or anything. Uh, you had the best one out of you know anything that we threw out when you said that the Suns would not only make the playoffs, would be a top four seed, and they end up being a number two seed. Uh, so I think that that was a, a great prediction on your part. I would say my best prediction was probably the Atlanta Hawks making the playoffs, which like not as much of a bold take. I think it was kind of similar to the Suns one, but like I, you know, had I said that they would be a, a potential I, second I mean, round, it team, wasn't then... looking good at first for them, and no, it wasn't. And they had to bring in a new coach, and ever mm-hmm. since, ever since the coaching change, they have looked like a I don't want to say a title contender or anything, but I, they've looked like one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and they deserve to be. Uh, a, a top five team. Yeah, they had a lot of injury issues to start the season. I think that you know the the timing worked out in terms of Nate McMillan replacing Lord Lloyd Pierce, but they they added a ton of talent, a you know, combination of veterans and younger guys like you know Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter and John Collins. So I felt pretty optimistic about the Hawks' chances. But one prediction that I actually meant to say, and I just I guess I forgot to write down, and uh, I didn't go into it was. I was going to predict that the Washington Wizards would make the playoffs over the Indiana Pacers based on what happened in the play-in tournament. And then I realized afterwards, oh, I, I forgot to say that. Like, dang, like that would have been like really, really good to throw out there. And then the Wizards started 0-4 and they were like horrible out of the gate. Bradley Beal was putting up 50 points a night and they were still losing. I was like, oh, thank God I didn't say that. It looks stupid. The Wizards are going to suck this year. And then in the end, the Wizards end up as the eight seed, the Pacers are the nine seed, and I think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs and the Pacers aren't. So kind of regretting that I uh, didn't write that down and throw it out there because now I, I can just say that, but you know, it doesn't mean you have to believe me that I actually was thinking it. That's okay. I mean, out of my two predictions, one, like you said, was being high on the Suns, which proved correctly I, what's funny is that i also said that they'd lose to the lakers in the playoffs and they could actually meet as a two seven matchup and the lakers could quote unquote upset them uh, in the first which round. that's so ridiculous that's not an upset they'd be favored it if the lakers no, are the seven I, seed I or the eight seed they're gonna be favored i completely agree it, it like would they not have the be second best championship odds right now and i'm, I'm I, gonna hate it too that people it's a guarantee that people will look at it as an upset just because of the seedings when it's going to be this like crazy underdog story for lebron and when he just goes on this huge playoff run which like it it, the reason why there are seven seeds because he was out for extended extended period of time yeah him and anthony davis and now they're both healthy so um yeah i mean i think it's it's kind of frustrating to to deal with that and um you know let's kind of let's i we we have a kind of a less not as much formatted as we normally do um kind of just jumping around here but let's uh let's talk about the lakers situation and uh let's talk about the other team in los angeles because the clippers heading into the season there were there were some questions about them they flamed out in the bubble last year they struggled against the mavericks and then they blew a three to one lead against the nuggets and doc rivers was fired there were questions about what do the clippers do did they break up Kawhi leonard and paul george how do they go on with this team? They made some changes and they found themselves in a position where they could have defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder on the last game of the season and ended up as the three seed. 
but they decided to rest all of their starters. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, no Avika Zubac, not, none of the big guys on that team, um, no Pat Beverly. And they end up losing, and they end up with a four seed. So had they won, since the Lakers ended up as a seven anyway, they would have avoided them at least in the first round. Now they wouldn't play them until the Western Conference Finals. What are your thoughts on the Clippers' decision to do that? It's probably it's kind of smart if they really r- truly want to avoid the Lakers as long as possible, and especially since they're in city rivals, uh, if if you can use that word. Uh, I I think it's smart. I think if they if that's the worst matchup for them, for their team, then it's probably the smart thing to do to avoid them as long as possible. So when you say in city rivals, if you can call them that, I know you're talking about the rivals part, not the the in city. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a big brother, little brother. Clippers considered the Lakers a rival. Maybe the Lakers don't. Honestly, I don't think this is going to bode well for them. It just it feels like this isn't something that is going to work out. Like the basketball gods are not going to let the Clippers benefit, you know, from tanking to avoid the Lakers. And I, I mean, one one thing to mention, uh, they would also avoid Denver until the Western Finals because the the Nuggets they're a three seed and they would face the winner of the Suns like uh, seven seed matchup and. If the Nuggets and Clippers were to meet, it wouldn't be until the West Finals. And we saw last year in the bubble that I know the Clippers took this lead against Denver, but they ended up getting their number. And I don't know. I don't know if they want to relive that again. Well, the Nuggets also had Jamal Murray, and he's, he's out true. for the season. That is true. So. That, how, losing losing your second best player to Tornay Seal definitely does not bode well for them. I don't know. Denver's, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I take that back. I don't know. Yeah, so you know, partially I'm down on the Clippers because of what they did, but at the same time, so going into the 2019-20 season, I predicted the Jazz to make it to the Western Conference Finals, and then you know that didn't work out. But this year they're the one seed. Now I kind of feel like I have to stick with that take, and the only way the Jazz can get to the Western Conference Finals is if the Clippers don't make it. So that's kind of what I'm going with. Um, I don't know if that's truly what I would predict. I think I would still think that the Clippers could beat the Jazz if they were to face each other, but... Uh, I think it would be cool for me to kind of be right, even if I'm just a year late on that take. Another another thing about the Clippers tanking, they they faced Dallas in the first round. Dallas looked atrocious in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. but now now they look like kind of like the Hawks, where they have had a much better second half of the season. And Luka Doncic is obviously a rising star in the league. And is that a good matchup for them? I mean, I know I know uh, they beat them in in the bubble last year but it was a pretty close series at at, at one point where it was tied at 2 after Doncic hit that crazy 3 to to win yeah i mean the Mavericks were definitely a disappointing team for most of the season but they've uh they've certainly figured it out at this point and i i agree with you like i don't know that i would rather face the Mavericks over the Trailblazers if that's what it came down to so um yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that this is going to work out for the Clippers. It just feels like this uh, this move they did is is destined to backfire before it has any kind of success. So I guess we've kind of you know talked a little bit about this in terms of some of the teams that are in the postseason field. So let's uh, let's talk about the four first round matchups that 
we do know will happen with the three six and the four five. And we were talking about this before, and we were like, let's say what our most intriguing matchup. And we realized that we love all four of these series. So let's just kind of talk about them individually a little bit. Let's start in the Eastern Conference with the three six matchup. And this is one that I was ready to say is the most intriguing the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. And a lot of that is because they played last season in the bubble, and I was very adamant that the Bucks would win. And that did not work out very well. The Heat won in five games, ended up going to the NBA Finals. So I'm I'm very excited about this one. And I think part of it is because the Bucks have kind of felt like an under-the-radar team this year. I think everyone in the East, you know, when, when you talk about the Eastern Conference, you're talking about the Nets, you're talking about the Sixers. The Bucks are still a very good team. They added Drew Holiday. And, I mean, I, I like to believe that in a normal setting with, teams traveling from Milwaukee to Miami rather than playing in a bubble and uh, the you know the, the pandemic environment we were in last summer, the Bucs are a better team than the Heat. But this is one where if I had to look at the four top seeds, it almost feels like they should be the most on upset alert just because of what happened last year. If I was forced to pick between the four matchups of the, the three versus six and four versus five, if I was forced to pick one matchup that's the most intriguing to me, I would probably... Also say, uh, Bucks Heat, just given what happened in last year's uh, playoffs in the bubble, where the Heat were definitely one of the few teams that really took the playoffs seriously and the bubble format seriously, and made it all the way to the M- game six of the NBA Finals, even with uh, the limited talent that they have on their team. I mean, I'm not saying that they're an untalented team, but they definitely have less talent than some of the top teams in the league, and. Yeah, I definitely am intrigued by this matchup with the Bucks having, like you said, Drew Holiday now on their team, and uh, and yeah, they have been sort of an under the radar team. I mean, yes, they've been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, but I think rightfully so, Brooklyn and Philly have gotten more attention than uh, Milwaukee at this point in the year, and uh, I, I think I think the Bucks could be on upset alert, but I also think they could be a sleeper in a way. Yeah, which I think it, that makes them such an intriguing team in the sense that they're someone who you could see getting bounced in the first round easily, but you could also see them easily going on a run to the NBA Finals. So uh, they're they're definitely a team that I'm looking at as a as a you know dark horse slash upset alert, which uh, I think just adds to the intrigue of this series against Miami. So looking at the other Eastern Conference series, this is another one that's intriguing, but for totally different reason. The Knicks and the Hawks, these are two teams that haven't made the playoffs in years. I think the Knicks are in for the first time since like 2013, and the the Hawks are in it for the first time since 2016 or 17. And these are two exciting teams. Uh, Tom Thibodeau has come in, and he's done an awesome job with the Knicks this year. He's probably I was skeptical about that hire. He's probably coach of the year, and Julius. I would Rand- think so. And Julius Randle. Is arguably one most of the most improved. improved. Oh, okay. Yeah, you knew where I was going. Yeah, he there. should win it. Yeah, yeah, he's been one of the most improved players this year. It makes me look back at that draft when the Celtics took Smart at number six, and the, I think it was the Lakers that got Julius yeah. Randle. And, and I know it didn't one work out Laker. there, but look at Julius Randle now. And pardon me, one. And I mean, <laughs> I know it's I know it's yeah. so easy to question now, but it's like, man, Julius. He's Randle. on his third team since then. But, yeah, but now, yeah, he's, I mean, now I, he looks, I get it. Yes, now no, he. Looks he like a star. Yes, he he absolutely does right now. He's certainly earned himself a big payday. And, you know, the Knicks are, they've definitely been a fun team. I think they'll be exciting to watch. But 
I, I feel like the Hawks are an even more fun team because they have Trey Young and they have, you know, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella has been great for them this season. They have Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari who can, you know, light it up from from long range. They have Lou Williams on the team now. I, I I'm really excited about this series and I'm I'm uh I'm more on the side of the Hawks in this one. So I think I'm going to agree with you, even though looking at their their matchup throughout the regular season, the Knicks took all all three games. All three games. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I think when it comes to the Knicks, it, it, it's like the the Celtics when they were a bridgey team, when they weren't they didn't have any star players, or they maybe had one star player with like Isaiah, and they were a team that was always trying in the regular season while other teams were kind of just laying back. And then it once it got to the postseason, a lot of teams like the Cavs and, and others were really re- amped up the intensity in the playoffs. So that kind of worries me for the Knicks is that, they, yeah, they've been one of the most overachieving teams this year. What if teams like other teams in the Eastern Conference, they weren't giving it their 100% every single game? And what if what if that were to happen with other teams? Does that make, does that make any sense? At yeah, all? no, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's something that we've seen. Because I feel a lot like Tom with... Thibodeau is a guy that really is a a, a hard coach, uh, one that it's going to get the most out of all all the players, and maybe that helps in the regular season, but maybe that tires them out in the playoffs while other teams are now going to amp it up. I yeah, know. I mean he's he he's had limited playoff success for sure. I know part of that was just you know Derrick Rose's injury, but. Uh, I mean, in in his time in Minnesota, they made the playoffs his first season as an eight seed, and they didn't really put up too much of a fight against the Rockets. And it was only a matter of time before he's out of his job. So, I think that it's possible we could see that with the Knicks here. Um, I know a lot of people are still high on their chances to win this one, and I think that there are some people who who think that the Knicks could potentially keep this going and go on a nice run. But I'm um, I'm not ready to buy into the Knicks. Yet. You know, you know how last year we were doing so like for the Celtics Raptors matchup or the Celtics heat matchups we were doing who's the best player on both teams like one through five and yeah uh, when I look at this matchup I think arguably Julius Randle is one just given how he's played this year but I think two three four five I think I would go with all Hawks with with Trey Young and then John Collins and then and then Clint Capella and and then Bogdanovich. I think who's the second best player on the Knicks? See, Emmanuel I don't quickly. Like I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, th- I think and and Derrick Rose. Like I don't know. I'm trying see, to see. I was Knicks gonna players. say Derrick Rose, but it's like man, Derrick Rose is definitely out of his prime now. And but. yeah, and honestly, like I, I almost feel like I'm kind of doing a disservice because I don't know super in depth like a lot of these teams. Like I know who's kind of good and who's not as good. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Knicks. They're I think that they're a team that's just not super flashy because of some of the players. Like I'm looking at the roster right now. Like Nerlens Noel, he was a lottery pick uh, he, once upon uh, a time. Terrible. <laughs> Reggie Bullock. They have RJ Barrett. I guess he's probably their their number two guy. Mitchell Robinson is a really solid center. Obi Toppin has been. He's a fun player. But yeah, I mean I don't know. This Knicks team doesn't really jump out at me as a team that I think is going to be um, you know as as great as maybe Knicks fans hope. At least right now. I could easily see yeah. this being an attractive destination for free agents, and it's only a matter of time before the Knicks are a top contender. In uh, I mean, term. as long as 
as long as James Dolan is there, I don't know if if that changes. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I I definitely think that <laughs> the ownership is an unfortunate part of the Knicks mess. Uh, so let's move on to the Western Conference and the three six matchup: the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. So this is one I think would be more fun if we had Jamal Murray against Damian Lillard, and it's kind of unfortunate that we don't have that. Uh, but it, it's certainly one where you have the the Trailblazers are a team that's capable of putting up a lot of points, and the Nuggets, even without Murray, are still able to. And I think that this could be a fun series offensively. Um, the way I look at it is these are two teams that maybe could end up going on a deep run if everything falls you know, right, but I don't have a ton of confidence in either of them. I think there are just too many shortcomings right now. Yeah, I mean, for the for the Nuggets, it's obviously not having Jamal Murray, which I... Yeah, that's, put, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, and, and then for the Trailblazers, it, it's, I feel like it's kind of the same thing every year. I mean, they did make the West Finals uh, one year when they beat mm-hmm. Denver in the... They did. Uh, in the second round but I mean I don't know I feel like it's the same thing every year with the the Trailblazers even though I like them it's they have a great this great backcourt of Lillard and McCollum and they have they've had good secondary scoring from Carmelo uh, and Covington and uh, Alfaraka Aminu when he was when he was there and 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 Mo Harkless so they've had a great backcourt solid uh, three four guys and then and depending on Nurkic's health is obviously is obviously huge. I mean, I, yeah, they're, they're they're a team that I think could win that series. But what is their ceiling really? I feel like it's capped, and I don't know what they're ex- realistically what they can do beyond the first round. Even with the Jazz and the Suns as the first, the first and second seed, I, I still question their ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Trailblazers are a team that ceiling is like third or fourth best team in the West. Yeah. So it has a chance to advance deep w- if which guys would... are injured and, you know, things fall perfectly for them. Yeah, which I would agree with. Yeah. Uh, but it, that being said, it's still an intriguing series. Like you said, they just played two years ago in the postseason. It was a very fun and exciting seven-game series. So I, I think that this could be an exciting one, but it's it's one where it's kind of capped in terms of the excitement because there's no Jamal Murray and because the expectations for these teams are kind of lower than uh, they could be. So the final West series, the 4-5 matchup, the Clippers and the Mavericks. We, we've kind of talked about this one a little already, and this is a rematch of a fun series in the bubble last year. And... Yeah, I mean, I, is there anything else we need to add? I feel like we kind of already gave our thoughts on no, this. I, the fact we, that the Clippers tanked against the Lakers. You know, the Mavericks are playing well right now. So yeah, it it, it seems like a pre- pretty evenly matched series. And not only is Doncic great, but Porzingis, um, Porzingis is definitely solid. I mean, he's not he's not the man like he was in New York, but he's definitely a good uh, second option on on Dallas. And I I see that series going six or seven. So when you look at the West, do you believe that the top two teams right now, given who's playing, who's healthy and everything, are the Lakers and the Clippers? Pa- yeah. Is there I, someone I else mean, you like? No, it's just, see, the thing is, when I look at the Western Conference, I, I feel like it's wide open, but, and that makes me excited for the NBA playoffs more than past years where it's really just the Warriors killing everyone and eventually winning it all. But at the same time, if the Lakers with LeBron healthy now and Anthony Davis, both of them healthy, I mean, yeah, it probably just sets up for Clippers-Lakers 
the the two most talented teams where and, and then and have the and the Jazz and the Suns, yes, they've been both amazing regular season teams. It still feels like at some point both of those teams are not going to advance much further, which I hate. At the same, because yeah, I want to see, I, I, I want to see that. an underdog <laughs> advance and possibly win it all. But I, I, at the same time, it's a talent-driven league more than any of any sport. Talent uh, is trumps everything in that league, and I, I yeah, I, I, I think it's just going to be Lakers and Clippers, and which I hate. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like it's more wide open than ever, or at least you know it the, feels like it's wide years. more wide open. But, but at the same time, it it's because the Clippers like... and the Lakers aren't as highly seeded as they should be. Right, like you know, the Lakers issue with the injuries, the Clippers, you know, load management and all that stuff with them. It, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I would necessarily predict that those teams get there. I would love to see like a Jazz Suns or Jazz Nuggets Western Conference Finals, which doesn't sound exciting, or, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's different. Now. It's exactly, it's a breath of fresh air. We get a break from it's te- you know every LeBron year and it's, the Warriors. And, every year yeah. it's super team versus LeBron and his super team. <laughs> Which yes. one's gonna win? Like that doesn't really excite me. I mean, yeah, 2016 when it went all the way to Game Seven, final minute, it was tied up at 89. Like that, that well for you, that wasn't exciting. But in <laughs> I mean, in, in the moment, like that finals, yeah, as a non-biased fan, that was, that was that finals was exciting. Finals. But outside of that, like uh, a lot of these finals, especially with the Warriors when they were super dominant, they just were not <laughs> did not intrigue me no so it w- it would be nice to be able to see something different this year and even if it's the nets in the eastern conference finals like that that's different or the sixers like even if it's the one of those top two teams like we're at least seeing a team in the east that we're not used to at least right now so i think i, the, I'm I think certainly the nets hoping uh, something like that we'll probably have different opinions just because one Kyrie's there but two like that's Another KD super team with three, yeah, I mean I get stars that. It's, and, uh-huh. it's just but, it's a no. Super teams are annoying. yeah. James, James Harden's never made it to the NBA Finals, but Griffin's never made it to the NBA Finals, so there's there's a little bit of a, a difference there, there. I guess there's a little intrigue in seeing how those guys would do. Would they would they would they succeed or would they actually still fail in the moment? Yeah, I, I mean I. So my my official prediction for the East champion is the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, mine assuming would, that they stay healthy. Mine would easily be as well. And I I decided that I was locking in on the Nets on Sunday night when I watched a highlight uh, right at the end of the first half when the Nets basically it looked like you were watching a Harlem Globetrotters game. They pulled out a steal. Blake Griffin I, I, I does saw a that behind the back that, pass. Yeah, that was a, absurd. Mike James, who throws it off the backboard, and Kevin Durant th- slams in a dunk, all accompanied by Ian Eagle on the call. It was perfect. Like I'm such a huge fan of Ian Eagle. Kevin Harlan announced his retirement following the Eastern Conference Finals. I really hope that Ian Eagle takes over in his place when it comes to the, the TNT national broadcast. We already see him a lot. Just go all in, even if it means leaving the Nets. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of off topic, but that's a shame that Kevin Harlan. Not Ke- oh, sorry, not Kevin Harlan. Marv Albert. Oh, Marv Albert. thank God. Yeah. No, Marv <laughs> Albert. I think we're we're ready for him. Like he's he's been doing this for a long time. I'm uh I'm ready for him to move on. I was gonna say point. if it was Kevin Harlan, he's washed that, up at this that, point. That would have broken my heart because I'm I'm definitely no. I I'm mean, a huge I, fan I, of Kevin I, Eagle, I I like him, but I'm 
gonna take a good guess and say that you like him more than I do. Not that I don't. Not that I yeah, dislike Ine. Yeah, he might be I, my I like, favorite right now. But Kevin Harlan is easy one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean they're both great. If if we can get both of those, that would that would be awesome. Because I think at this point, Marv Albert, he's just too old. He's ready to be done. He's ready to attend his garden or whatever he said in his uh, retirement. I mean, he post, he was he so. was in those NBA live games back in like oh yeah. five. Well, that's I'm always gonna, I know I'm always gonna associate him with NBA live. Him and uh, the czar Mike Fratello is that his name? I don't I know, know but Steve Tello. Steve Kerr was name. a color guy. Yeah, Steve Kerr. I know he he was. I uh, he was he was still doing two K the first season he was coaching the Warriors. Like I, I don't know why they didn't replace him, but uh, yeah, it, it was always those those guys. And yeah, I'll I'll always remember Marv Albert for that. But I mean, he was the voice of the Last Dance, and that was twenty five years ago when it happened in real time. So I think we're we're kind of ready for for someone else to step in at this point, and I, I'm I'm excited about the idea of Ein Eagle filling in. Um, all right, so yeah, that'll uh, that'll wrap things up for the NBA playoff talk. Let's jump into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I have a feeling that both of us are a little more excited about the Stanley Cup playoffs, no. given that our teams are <laughs> in much better shape when it comes to uh, you know potentially going on a run in theory. So they they've already started. Let's start in the East Division and let's start. So I guess before we get into this, um. So here's a take that I realized on Sunday. Um, you know, I probably thought this before, and I, I've definitely heard a lot of people since then agree with this. But so the Stanley Cup playoffs are probably the most exciting postseason, at least among the four major I, sports. I, I've I've said numerous times that it's the biggest jump from regular season to postseason. Yes, and, absolutely. In, in the major sports, and I would say it makes a case with college basketball one and two. If you're talking about outside mm-hmm. of the four major ones professional ones uh, i would yep. say it's either, march madness is number one stanley cup playoffs number it's two one well i would probably s- switch it but it's definitely debatable between the two so, I, i'm more biased towards hockey yeah so i know that's, I, that's I why that. i have that so the big reason why the stanley cup playoffs are so exciting is because over time playoff hockey every single night yeah every other game it feels like goes to overtime and i had this realization that Overtime playoff hockey is amazing when you don't really care who wins. Like if you're just watching a game just for fun and trying to enjoy it, overtime that's, is that's great. Like that great... five overtime game between Tampa and Columbus last year, that was so fun just being like, I don't want this to ever end. Like, But if you have a vested interest, which you know, I know you know this, the first two Bruins Capitals games went to overtime. It kind of sucks. Like it's just oh, it, it, so it takes, high tense. It takes years like, off your life. Yeah. Uh, I, the the game game one when the, Tuca gives up the easy goal, the, the dribbler down five hole uh, in, in the first game uh, in overtime. I, I shut up the TV the second I saw the puck in the net, and I, <laughs> I, I, between uh, Aaron Boone home run uh, versus the Red Sox, it's that, and then nine Bruins overtime playoff losses where I've shut the TV off. <laughs> really quickly nine since when since oh just oh no i'm just throwing out a number like if i had to come up with like the oh, top 10 okay. times i've shut up the tv yeah. as quickly as i did it goes aaron boone home run and then like nine playoff <laughs> bruins losses in overtime where i i, I should yeah. i immediately went straight to bed the second that puck went in and, <laughs> and then the goal yesterday in game two 
Yeah, I lost. I lost it, and I celebrated like it was like they won the Stanley Cup almost. Uh, but yeah. it was obviously just well, one when you're freaking down game. Two nothing. That's huge. Yeah, oh, I mean you just giant, being able to tie it up like that. It's a massive momentum change if they lose that game, and I'm I'm glad they won that game because I felt like. I felt like Washington deserved to win game one, but I felt like Boston deserved to win game two based on how the, the first three periods went. Yeah, so I'm I'm admittedly kind of back and forth when it comes to this Bruins Capital series and who I want to win as a Penguins fan. Because, because one. <laughs> well, on the one hand, I feel like the Capitals are a better matchup. I think the Bru- uh, the Penguins won like six out of eight times they played, but they lost three out of eight times when they faced the Bruins in the regular season. But on the other hand, I hate the Capitals so much that it's like I don't want them to win this, and then all of a sudden, like, go on a run, and uh, you know they win another Stanley Cup. I, th- so I it's think like- no, that to- makes total total sense because I think this year the Capitals would be a better matchup, just given that they're not the healthiest team right now. I mean, outside of Ovechkin, a lot of their star players are not a hundred percent right now, and then Kuznetsov is not even playing right now. I think he's on the COVID list, and then. Their goaltending situation. Their, their yeah. goal. Their goaltending situation. I knew it was going to be a drop off from Holtby, but I didn't think it'd be this big of a mess. And I mean, yeah, Vancheck. He gets hurt, and even though he, even before he was hurt, I mean, he wasn't the greatest goaltender to begin with. And then Samsonov. He's he's young, and he. I think he's also on the COVID list. Or yeah, he is some some kind. Of, I think he's just injured or injured. But, I'm. I forgot. Yeah. But and then. The one guy that they can count on, Craig Anderson, yeah, he had a great run with Ottawa uh, back in 2017, and where they he, he brought them all the way to the game seven of the can we, East can Finals. Can we pause on that for a sec? Can we dwell on that? In 2017, the Ottawa Senators were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like four years ago, the Ottawa Senators were a win away from the Stanley Cup Finals, and look at them now. Yeah, oh, like, they're they're. Just one of the most irrelevant it, teams in, in it sports. It is crazy yeah. to think about that. And like they played the Penguins in that series. So like I, I was very much, I knew who Craig Anderson was. Like I, I was very much into the series. I realized how good the Senators were at the time. And it's just insane. A lot of their star, they're, a lot of their best players right are not there anymore, of course. I mean, Mike Hoffman is in St. Louis. Mark Stone is in Vegas. Eric Carlson is in San Jose. And I mean, I think Mark Stone is the only one that's really still performing at an elite level between those guys. But yeah, they they definitely had some solid players on their team at the time, which is now not the case. No, it just collapsed. It's it's just it's incredible to think about that sometimes because they literally it could have been the Ottawa Senators versus the Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup final. As much as I love underdogs and 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 not super teams in, in finals, that kind of would have been a gross. A matchup because those would have been two really irrelevant teams yeah. in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, you know, you can talk more about Craig. But Anderson yeah, Craig Anderson. Yeah, he he's performed well in the first two games, but he he started two games the entire year, and he's almost forty years old. I feel like what he did in these first two games is the best you're going to see Craig Anderson. That's just my guess. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll go nuts in these next few games. But I I don't see that happening. I think so. I I don't blame you for thinking that Washington would be a better matchup because I I would believe that. Uh, given not now uh, for Washington, not the Washington Capitals team of five years ago or so. No, no. I mean, I I'm specifically talking about the 2021. Yeah, Capitals, this year's Capitals so. team. I agree. 
Yeah. So, you know, on on the other hand, I like the idea of a Bruins Penguins East Division final, nice little podcast rivalry. But right now, I don't know if the Penguins will even get that far. And uh, you know, the biggest reason why there are concerns is because of the goaltending situation in Pittsburgh. So, d- did you watch Game One? I, wa- I did. The Penguins I did watch Game One. Tristan Jari, I I I did like him last year. I think it was an all-star, right? If I'm yeah, he was me, an all-star last year. From, yeah, he, he was. was. He looked solid last year uh, as a goaltender. I thought, I mean, I thought he was going to continue that production, but yeah, he's been shaky ever since then. And in game one, yeah, he gave up multiple goals, uh, glove hand. It, all it, four of them. Yeah. And it was like the ghost of Matt Murray out there. Like, I, and like, those so, were all. I don't want to say all four of them, but most at, the first at least, three in regulation. Yeah, it's all like, how did he give that up? How did he give it up again? Are you kidding me? How did he give up another one? Like, it, it just it didn't make sense to me that a, a starting NHL goaltender couldn't stop one of those. Like, that that's the difference. Like, it is very rare that when someone says, "Oh, this player costs a team a game," like they single handedly did that. There's no one else to blame other than Jari. All he does has to do is stop one of them, and the Penguins win three to two. In theory, the Penguins should have won this game three nothing. And he made some good saves too, which like kind of sucks about this. It's like it's not like he had like this horrible game where everything was going in. Like he he made some plays. It was just these like goals that should have never been scored. And like the overtime one, it was a great shot by Kyle Palmieri, but. It was just a terrible technique to be able to leave that that top shoulder window open. Yeah, I, 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 I just, kind of agree. I don't understand. There's a part of me that wants to credit Paul Marymore for that goal because I thought that was a really nice shot. It was but, a really great but shot. I also kind of don't blame you that hey, maybe if you yeah, I mean that's that one it could go a little bit better. It, it it shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, I mean maybe they shouldn't have they shouldn't have been in that spot to begin with. <laughs> Exactly, and that's 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 really what it all comes down with. It should have never gone to overtime, and I mean to start the season. I think the first month and a half, so going into like late February, early March, the Penguins' goaltending was one of the worst in the league. But then they had a stretch from March into April where they were the best goaltending in the league. So it was just like they went through these phases with, between Trishan Jari and Casey to Smith who's injured, so I don't know that he's going to be an option anytime soon to replace Jari if things don't get better. But you know, part of me wants to think that it's just it was just an off day, you know, maybe a little rust involved. They hadn't played a game in eight days because of just, you know, the, the season dragging on longer because of COVID pauses earlier in the season. And it's, uh, it, I don't know, it's, when it's you're kind missing, of frustrating. When you're missing shots, glove hand, that's a concern. Yeah, huge concern. I, I remember in the bubble last year when Tuca left, and it was up to Halak to be the starter. I, I remember thinking I'm actually I was actually confident at the time because Halak was one of the best backup goaltenders at the time in in the league. But then all of a sudden he missed a lot of shots, glove hand. Just yeah, it it just dis- disappeared from the the COVID break and. It it affected him uh, more than anyone on that team, and I don't know. Like when you're missing shots, glove hand. That's 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 a concern, cause for concern. Really bad. And now I I can't help but think that you know in game two he's gonna play great, but then the Penguins just aren't gonna be able to score, and <laughs> they're gonna lose one to nothing. It's like they're just gonna go down two zero. So I'm uh they still don't I'm have Malkin into this. either. Yeah, is he officially out for game two? Uh, 
that I did not check yet, but I yeah, I mean I I haven't heard anything about him. I know he's been practicing. He played the last two games of the season. But and I know then and, he missed game one. And Dumlin also got hurt uh, in game mm-hmm. one, getting a shot to the foot. Yeah, I saw the Penguins called up four guys from the practice or not practice squad, the taxi squad or Wilkesbury, what wherever they came from. Um, I don't know if what the the meaning is behind that, but four guys feels kind of concerning. So, yeah, it's uh a lot of a lot of issues right now with the Penguins. I know it's only one game, but they lost in overtime in Game One against the Islanders in 2019 and against the Canadians last year in 2020, and things have not worked out better. Uh, after that they've lost 10 out of 11 i think playoff games now so it's it's really really bad shape so let's uh let's talk about the central division now and i think the really the the matchup that i'm really intrigued by and i find very exciting is the battle of florida the lightning and the panthers has this always been a big rivalry or is it just like this year now that both of them are actually good because the panthers have not been historically good so i've never really heard of this as a thing I think it's been a rivalry, but it feels when when you're not in a in Florida, when you're way outside of it, it doesn't feel like it is because one team has obviously been way better than the other. I'm guessing mm-hmm. it's been a rivalry, but it hasn't really showcased until now. And I don't know if you watched Game One, but that was one of the most entertaining uh, games so far this postseason. Yeah, it was one, like the one game that didn't go to overtime, and it was arguably the most entertaining of them all. Yeah, and. Florida played great in that game, especially uh, Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. They were all over the ice offensively in that game. And what what sucks is that as well as they played, they still lost because Tampa was just way too Uh good. Nikita Kucherov didn't play one game all regular season. And and people were saying, oh, he's going to be super rusty coming back, especially in a a playoff uh, environment. And he just comes out and scores two goals. Like, he never even got hurt. Yeah, right? Like, he never even got hurt. Like, how do you feel about the Lightning cheating like that and circumventing the cap? <laughs> like, like it's, that's ridiculous, right? Like, how how can you just throw a guy on IR all season long so his salary cap doesn't count, build a super team, and then, like, hey, turns out he was healthy right in time for the playoffs? Like, how does that make any sense? I, I just think that's so ridiculous that the NHL lets them get away with that. When it comes to the cap in, in any sport, I, I'm... I'm so close that I don't I don't know exactly how it all works, especially in NHL, given how hard of a cap it is in that league. I'd... Yeah, I mean, it really shouldn't have a hard cap. They should have a soft cap like the NBA has, and I mean, NFL. In a sense, yeah, I mean, they they should have a better way, you know, so that that's not a thing. Like, it shouldn't be an issue, but the the way that the cap structure is, it is an issue, and I I just think it's so ridiculous. So. Um, I mean, I have nothing against the Lightning. I was happy for them when they won the Stanley Cup last year, but I almost feel like I need to root against them now just because of what they did with Kucherov. Uh, I need to root against them because they're way too good, and I don't. Yeah. If the Bruins are going to make a legit run, I do yeah. not want them to face them in the East the East Finals, right? Yeah, or well, whatever, whatever finals it is, uh, or Stanley Cup Finals, yeah. semifinals, yeah, whatever it's called. Uh-huh. I do not want them to meet in the semi semi-final matchup because they would probably lose and so i'm hoping for either florida to really pull off an ups i think it's a huge upset just given that if the way they played in game one they played as well as they did and they still lost it it feels like it's going to take a lot for florida to beat tampa 
And then for Carolina, I know they've played better. They've gotten better and better each year, but they're still a team that I don't take super seriously. I, I think they'll beat Nashville, but I don't. If they face Tampa, I have my doubts for them as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I somewhat follow the Panthers, given that I live across the street Hurricanes. from the arena they play in. Yeah, the, sorry, the Hurricanes. Yeah, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, Carolina. Panthers. That's actually interesting. It yeah, could that, be Carolina versus the Panthers. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're a decent team. I think obviously they're good. They, they won the the uh, Central Division in terms of the regular season. But I agree with you. The Lightning at full strength are the best team in that division, and I, uh, I would certainly predict them to go on a deep run at this point. So let's, uh, let's jump ahead to the North Division. So. Is this finally the Maple Leafs' year? Now that they can avoid basically every team in the East. I mean, is it their year to make it what? At least to, to, the final to win four. it all, or to just win? I don't know. Round? I don't know. At least to, the uh, final to win four a round, and then go from there. Yeah, to win a round, maybe. Uh, they they face. <laughs> that's not yeah. inspiring a lot of confidence, but it's just there's so there's such a choking team in the in the in the playoffs, especially versus the Bruins that. I mean, isn't that the only reason to not pick them to make it out of the North Division? Is that that is is their history in the, in the playoffs? Yeah, honestly, yeah, because they're probably the best team in the in the North Division. I mean, I, I don't, Matthews I don't think, led the I don't think, goals, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Winnipeg is going to do much, and then Montreal they they could be a sneaky team in the postseason, just given their postseason history of yeah, all the Stanley know, Cups they I have. Know. For sure. And they have some solid players, especially Tyler Toffoli. I definitely wanted the Bruins to pick him up last year at the deadline Price. or in free agency, but they didn't, and he's had a good year. So they could be a dark horse team, but yeah, I, th- I think Toronto, it's their division to lose, just given how much talent that they have, especially up top on their power play with Matthews, Marner, and Tavares. What about the Oilers with Connor McDavid? Oh, my God. The the, <laughs> so if you look at the NHL stats in terms of points brad marchand finished third this year with 69 points haha 69 29 goals 40 assists second was leon dreisaitl with i think it was 84 and then Connor mcdavid was first with uh, over 100 yeah <laughs> those two are th- that tandem is unreal and I, I remember when we were doing nhl preview uh much earlier in the year and when we got to this division i just straight up just said uh i'll take Edmonton because of those two guys <laughs> no one it's else saying how good those two are and how bad the team has uh, been I, for the last you know five years or whatever oh I, and I remember saying that it's it's pathetic that those guys are there just because the next best player whoever it is uh, uh it's just a, such a drop-off after those two guys yeah I mean it's like uh you know Mike Trout with the angels. and Shohei Otani the with the Angels, yeah, yeah, right. It's like those two. It's like, oh, they're having their MVP type seasons. They're below five hundred. Like that's basically what Edmonton has been like for for the better part of the last decade. With uh, that's a great that's a and dry that's literally a perfect comparison. <laughs> two guys that are studs in their sports, but their team is trash. Usually, yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, we'll we'll see this year. I know they, I think in 2017 they made the playoffs and they they lost, they lost to the, the Ducks. Ducks. Yeah, yeah. I, so they should have won that series, but they ended up, of course, blowing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that they'd be the team that I would look at that could potentially knock off Toronto, but 
you know, like we said, it's it's the Maple Leafs to lose, and we'll see. History says they're going to find a way to lose it. Uh, anyway, let's uh, wrap this up with the West Division, and I I kind of went into this thinking Avs Golden Knights, and the Knights lost Game One to the Wild, one nothing. The Avs beat the Blues four to one. Is there any reason to think, hey, Minnesota's going to knock off Vegas, or is it inevitable that we're getting Colorado Vegas like everyone predicted before the season I don't, started? I don't think it's impossible that for Minnesota to beat Vegas, but I'm still going to lean with Colorado Vegas. I think, I think Vegas, yeah, of course they need to score some goals and help Mark andre Fleury because he played great and gave up an, an, a one overtime goal. I mean, he, he was pretty much flawless until the, yeah, the overtime goal. And if they could put the puck in the net, yeah, they should be able to beat Minnesota and they'll eventually, I think they'll get, Pacioretty back as well. He's a good goal scorer. And I think they have too much talent for Minnesota to handle for an entire seven game series. I, I would still lean Vegas even down one nothing. That's the way that I'm looking at it as well. I mean, Mark Henry Fleury was awesome in game one, so it's kind of unfortunate that his team couldn't do anything for him. It's just like another one where it's like, of course, like Fleury plays lights out right after the, the Penguins lose because of goaltending, just kind of like, you know, rubs salt in the wound. But, uh, I mean, is Colorado, how do they compare in your mind to, I guess, both Vegas and Tampa? Like, do you believe they're the best team in the league, or is it closer than... uh? I, I it's it it's be. super close between those teams. I mean, I think Colorado with McKinnon. I I, th- I think Nathan McKinnon is a stud. He's probably outside of McDavid, probably the best player in the league. And Landeskog, he had a good game one. And Miko Rantanen is all, is also a good winger as well. And Kale McCarr, great young defenseman. They have a a, a ton of top end talent. And then Philip Grubauer is an underrated goalie. Yeah, I was about to ask, is he still their goalie? Because I remember him with the Capitals. He was their backup when they won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Yeah, he, I remember back in yeah when they won the Stanley Cup, the the Capitals. He started. He was he was good at the end. He of the, started game. Yeah, one he and started two. game one and two, and he was not good. And they realized like, yeah, yeah. we got to keep uh, <laughs> we got to keep Holtby instead of yep. instead of this guy. Um, yeah, Grubauer is their starting goaltender. Um, okay, and so yeah, th- he's an underrated goaltender uh, there. And I'm I'm sure he can make a difference. I don't know if if they're better than Tampa or Vegas. I I think between those three, it's re- you're really just nitpicking. But they're definitely one of the better teams uh, in the league. Okay, it's really I mean, fifty. You... It's it's really fifty yeah. fifty between yeah uh, them and Vegas, in my opinion. As, assuming Vegas, does that's make how it. I looked at it. Uh, but I I think that there's some people who are very I've, big on Colorado. I flip flop but... a lot between the two. I mean, I guess. I know earlier in the year um, when we did our preview, I I picked Vegas, and I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I'll stick with that just to. I picked Vegas to win it all. Yeah, I so. did as well, and I, I mean, they also added Petrangelo as well, who I thought who I th- thought was really a, one of the biggest difference makers in the Stanley Cup, the the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup run, and if it weren't for Ryan O'Reilly winning the Smythe, I think. Uh, Petrangelo was he finished fourth in the voting but if I had if I had a vote of course I wouldn't but if 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 it wasn't for O'Reilly I would have picked Petrangelo I think he was a huge reason why uh, the Bergeron Martian Postmark line was shut down and I think he makes that much of a difference uh, on on the defensive end for Vegas uh, as well 
Okay. I'm uh I'm I'm excited to see how the rest of the postseason plays out. Uh, I know that Vegas is kind of my number two team in the West just because of how much I love that I, city. I, I, so I like the Golden Knights. I think that they're they're a fun team. <laughs> the, the, their first year they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I know. I, I they're a fun. I team wish to they could have beat Washington. Absolutely. So we'll definitely be talking a lot more hockey. You know, especially if our teams can stick around for a little while. Um, I, I feel I do feel good about the Bruins, which is not something I usually do <laughs> since I'm one of the most pessimistic yeah. Bruins fans out there. I mean, if I if I had to pick just based on what I've seen the past couple of days, I would say that the Bruins are going to make it out of the East. I would also say that as well. I mean, they need they need to they need to clean up the their penalties. They they've taken too many dumb penalties of late and and too many dumb turnovers. But I. I love how they play five on five now with Taylor Hall there. They were one, they were one of the worst five on five teams before the trade deadline, and ever since then they've been one of the best five on five teams uh, ever since the Taylor Hall addition. And they also and also another reason why I like them is because uh, Jeremy Swayman. I don't know if you know him. Their backup goaltender, he's really great. Yeah. And yeah, I mean I I'm one of the biggest Tuka haters. Uh, oh, out there I, I mean i guess we're biggest, both like... the two of the biggest tuka yeah. haters out there and if if tuka ever you know needs to get taken out they can bring in the kid and we've seen ra- random young goaltenders just make come out of nowhere and go on a stealing cup run we saw that with st louis matt murray with biddington uh, it, it, yeah. it can happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I mean, I would be much more inclined to root for the Bruins down the stretch if uh, Rask is not in goal, and maybe if if uh, Marshawn is is not in the lineup either. But uh, anyway, so before we get into five questions, uh, I have the Pacers Hornets game going on here. Any predictions on the score right now? I don't know if you're following it. What what? How much time like has elapsed? Eight forty eight left in the second quarter. All right, I'll go. Uh... Thirty-one thirty, Charlotte. Forty-seven thirty, Indiana. Yeah, Pacers. I don't know what happened. Like forty-nine thirty now. The Pacers are killing it. Like every time I look up, it's like they just scored a ton more points. So I thought with no Karis Levert in this game that Indiana was done, but I don't know. I mean, this this team looks good. If you want my prediction, so we didn't. I don't think we gave a prediction for the play-in, or we. I did. I remember I did for the West where I said. Lakers and Warriors. Yeah, I mean Lakers and Warriors. I, re- like, I, I would have picked I the Celtics and the Hornets. Think, so. I honestly believe the Celtics are going to blow it. I think. Yeah. I think with the way the Wizards have looked of late, with Westbrook getting all these triple doubles, uh, and and Beal, of course, I think they'll upset this quote unquote upset the Celtics, and then I think the Pacers, if 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 that score holds up, uh, I think they could upset the Celtics. And people will say, well, if they made that Miles Turner deal, maybe that would have. <laughs> I know Miles Turner's yeah. hurt, but like, but uh-huh. like, hey, maybe if they made that Miles Turner deal with Indiana, this that wouldn't have happened. I could totally. I'm going down narrative street, but I could totally see that happening. I'm sure that that'll be a radio talk. Also, I realize I just said Celtics Hornets. I I, I definitely would have meant to say the Wizards. I I think that the Wizards are going to get in. Like I said, <laughs> like I didn't say back in uh, December. But yeah, I mean, at, at this point. Um, it definitely looks like it's gonna be Indiana, and we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, you know, we'll we won't be talking about yeah, it. My my prediction. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards win tonight. I mean, I I just feel like 
I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to buy into the Celtics' chances here, but at the same time, like I said, I almost feel like they're better off being the eight seed. So uh, they're they're better off just going to the lottery, just <laughs> going for that two percent chance that, at a top getting four. Getting another fourteenth pick. pick in the draft that they can blow yeah, it, uh, right. with again. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump into five questions now. So. We'll uh, wrap this up. Normally, five questions. We try to go like a little mix between uh, sports and non-sports, but there's a lot of sports stuff that's been going on recently, and we're like, oh, this seems like the best way to talk about all this stuff. I agree. So I'll, I'll lead us off with question number one. The NFL released the 17-game schedule for the 2021 season. Which games are you most looking forward to this fall? Okay, so I will mention the most obvious one, which is... Bucks, Pats, of course, Sunday night football, uh, week four on o- October 3rd. And I th- I think it's actually really smart that the NFL put this game that week four and not later in the year. Because one, what if the Patriots suck again? How, how intriguing <laughs> yeah. of a matchup is it if the, if it's week uh, 12 like- and the Bucks are 11 and 0 and the Patriots are, uh, four and seven what whatever like i mean how intriguing of a matchup really is that if the P- pats suck again and then if there are any s- star players that are hurt i mean that that would make the matchup again less intriguing if a receiver or, or lineman or star player on def- defense were hurt uh so i think having it early in the year uh lessens that uh chance of happening and then another reason is, that's been brought up a lot is that Brady's on pass to on pace to pass Drew Brees on the all-time passing uh yard record uh week 4 if he keeps up the pace that uh he's on and I think it's like 289 yards per game. Yeah, and I I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd imagine Brady will make sure that he doesn't go over uh that mark until <laughs> before. Week four. Yeah, I I, I yeah. he he He'll do it. He'll make sure he'll, that he he'll overthrow over. a pass yeah. and you know he'll smile as he's jogging off on yeah. third and twelve. And Belichick uh, will hate every second of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I mean, I was thinking about this, um, you know, earlier in the off season when they would do it. I, obviously, it was going to be Sunday Night Football. I was thinking more like Week Seven, Week Eight, but kind of kind of the same. Logic no, I was had, thinking, not wanting it too late in the season. I was thinking but. that as well. That'd be the mid to late, like week. Nine or ten or whatever, something like that. But yeah. I mean, I was thinking but like think, late October. I think but, it yeah. actually is smart that they're putting it. It uh, it does make sense. I I thought like a little more build up would go into it, but you know, you you definitely want to have it. And make sure that there's as much intrigue as possible. As like you said, if if the Patriots struggle, it's it's not going to be as exciting if uh, they're, it's they're, a lopsided it, game. Their first three games are Miami at home, not at Miami at home. Mm-hmm. That's a much that's much better for them. Uh, at, against the Jets, come on! Even with Cam <laughs> Newton, it's still the Jets. And then the Saints yeah. without Drew Brees. Who knows whether if it's Taysom or Jameis? That that's a I, I, the Saints should still be favored in that game. But hey, they they're can, all winnable games. Yeah, they're they're like, all winnable. This is a very games. real scenario exactly. where the Patriots would be they, three and zero. There's some chance that they could be three and zero at that yeah. point. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Definitely adds to it. Um, so I guess. I so I kind of did this in three parts in terms of this question. So I'm going to start off with week one because you know that's that, that's the game you I, I have to do. If you have a week one, you want to so throw out. So my now. week one is Browns Chiefs. Yeah, that's one that I wrote down as well. You can talk about it first. Yeah. So 
that's definitely my favorite uh, game for week one. Now, so besides Bucks Pats, honestly, looking at the Chiefs' schedule, a lot of my favorite games this year are have them in it. Yeah, they, they play everybody. Yeah, this year. they play. So week one, they play the Browns. Or it's a rematch of the divisional round matchup. Week five, mm-hmm. it's a rematch of the AFC Championship matchup. Week week two, they play the Ravens. Yeah, but I mean, Mahomes versus Lamar. I know it doesn't yeah, have as much. Ma- Mahomes yeah, versus but... Lamar Jackson, but they also killed them last year. I know, I know, but, but who knows? Still. Maybe it'll be a much closer game uh, this time mm-hmm. around. And then, yeah, like I said, week five rematch of the AFC Championship game. Hopefully, that game is closer than that game. Uh, week nine, they play the Packers again, and who knows? Yep. Maybe it'll be another matchup without. <laughs> Without one of the two star QVs, with uh, since last time it was Rogers versus Matt Moore, this time it'll be Mahomes versus probably Mahomes versus Jordan, Jordan Love, Love. Uh, yeah, Blake Bortles, or yeah, <laughs> or Blake Bortles, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, either way, intriguing matchup. And then Week Eleven, uh, Chiefs versus the Cowboys. Uh, even though the Cowboys oh, were a disaster, go. they're still a healthy Dak Prescott, still a polarizing team, and yeah, Dak Prescott is back, so. Could be an offensive shootout. Yeah, so I I just love uh, a lot of the games that the Chiefs are in, especially since the Chiefs are the most fun offense to watch uh, in, in the entire league. So yep. pretty much anything yeah, with I mean, Chiefs I, in it. I agree with that. I think the one game I circled in terms of the Chiefs is Chiefs-Packers just because I was really looking forward to a potential Mahomes versus Rodgers Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, Obviously, <laughs> Rodgers couldn't be on that team potentially, but if he ends up in like Denver, they're going to face each other twice, and that'll be awesome, or it, maybe even Vegas, he could face them twice. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can still see that because, like you said, we got robbed of it a couple years ago when Mahomes was injured. Um, looking at week one, like you said, Chiefs-Browns, I love the idea of the Chiefs blowing out the Browns three years in a row where Cleveland starts the year just getting absolutely embarrassed and kind of bring them back down to earth. So that's that's definitely one that excites me. Uh, obviously, Steelers-Bills is one for personal reasons, but at the same time, like that's a huge AFC matchup. And you're talking about a team that just went to the AFC Championship game. The Steelers, there's a lot of question marks heading into this season. How's that kind of revamped offense going to do with a... a some moving parts in the offensive line, new running back in Najee Harris going up against the Bills defense. That's decent, but they're definitely not amazing. Is that and then of course is that at what? Buffalo or at Pittsburgh? It's at Buffalo, yeah, which just makes it even more more of a challenge. Seven years in a row, the Steelers are starting the season on the road. I don't understand why they can't play a week one home game. Um, but yeah, and then of course, you know, just Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, they uh they definitely got the best of the Steelers defense last year. And, and that was and without the defense fans, is a little less. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was without fans when they played. So that, week that, that matchup is just going to be just as difficult uh, yeah. next year. Oh, I know, absolutely. I, um, I, I mean, if I had to make a prediction right now, I don't think that the Steelers would win this game. But I'm excited to see, you know, what happens if they can put up a fight, you know, pull off what would be considered an upset, and uh, you know how that could bode for the rest of the season. And then one other week one matchup that really intrigues me is the uh, the Sam Darnold Bowl, Panthers versus Jets. Got to love how they start off right away. Jets, all right, you want to move on from Sam Darnold? You got to face them on the road week one, see how Darnold does in this new system against his former team. And it's Zach Wilson's going to be under pressure too because if he loses to Sam Darnold, immediately, fair or not, there are going to be questions about whether the, the Jets sort of uh, you know moved on from Darnold and gone with the new quarterback, especially if Wilson struggles and Darnold plays really well. So that is actually uh, a matchup I would <laughs> I would like to tune into, especially since week one, 
uh, there's free uh, NFL Sunday ticket, or usually for me at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This uh, so this year because they have an extra 18 game schedule. Week one has double headers on both CBS and Fox, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun week. I think it's gonna be a good one. Um, I do realize that in North Carolina, it's going to be Panthers jets at one o'clock on CBS and not Steelers bills, which is unfortunate because most of the country is probably at Steelers bills. Um, yeah, but Panthers, but Pan- I also Panthers might not jets, be North Carolina. Now that I think about I mean, it. Panthers so jets could be comedy that week. If, if, if he's bad I mean, it could be. Yeah. But sometimes I'd rather watch the Steelers. Sometimes you got to watch some bad football to appreciate one, appreciate your own team, but two, <laughs> sometimes it's good to watch some bad football. I don't know. Yeah, but I'd, I'd rather watch my own team. <laughs> anyway, I am excited about that game, though. So if I do have to watch it, I guess it's not the end of the world. I'll just watch Red Zone anyway. So Oh, Red Zone's the best. Yeah. All right. Question two. Question number two. Major League Baseball has recommended the Oakland Athletics uh, to explore relocation options while waiting for an answer to their recent proposal of a new stadium. Do you think the A's should leave their home of more than 50 years for a new market? I feel for Oakland fans. Oh, I know. In, in less they, than two years, they, they lost, lost the, Raiders the Raiders and the Warriors. And then the Warriors, I mean, they're still in the same state, yeah, they, but they're in San Fran now. Yeah. <laughs> so and now they might now lose their the last A's. Team like... is, is leaving as well, yeah. Yeah, I it's... I mean... I don't know. It seems like Oakland is a really good sports town and they're passionate about their team, but it's just, it's frustrating how, that they can't get a good you, stadium there. How would you feel if you're, let's say you're an Oakland fan, Oakland sports fan, would you still root for the Warriors, Raiders, and A's, or would it be a mix, or would you root, I mean, would you not root for any of them, if you, if you had to I, guess? I imagine you're still rooting for the Warriors. Like, I mean, they just went across the bay. It's it's not as easy for people in Oakland to go to a game in San Francisco as it is if they're in Oakland. The Raiders, I have no idea. Because, like, you're not just going to become a 49ers fan. Are you just going to abandon football? Like, I, I don't know what you would do. And the A's, is a, it's another one where it's like, if they're going to relocate, I kind of want them to go to Sacramento or, you know, somewhere similar to the, the Warriors where it's like they're still kind of close by. But it's. Uh, Do you think it's you know, going to be Vegas? It sounds like it's going to be Vegas. There's a really good chance of that, uh, and I don't know how I would feel about it. Yeah, I don't. I so I pretty much agree with everything you just said. That the Warriors, I feel like I'd have no problem still rooting for them, especially since the Warriors are the Warriors, and they've had all the all the success they've had uh, mm-hmm. for the past several years. But yeah, the the Raiders, yeah, that one would be conflicting because they're in a completely new location and I'm not just going to root for the Niners if I was a if I were a Raiders fan. I don't, I don't know how I don't, I don't know, know how you'd I'd pick probably another would team still, that's close by. I probably would still if I had to guess I'd probably still root for them but it would it definitely wouldn't It would be tough. It'd be tougher, no. yeah. It would be disappointing. Um but yeah, I mean if if the A's do end up going to Vegas though like I know that the Golden Knights were an instant success. I know that the Raiders are going to have no issue selling out games, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like Vegas has uh, the same potential to be a baseball town. Oh, I agree with that. Like, I agree. I agree with everything you, you mm. just said there. That I think there, there's, they have more upside with their hockey and football franchises than I think they would with baseball. Yeah, I mean, baseball and Las Vegas just don't have the same mix as 
you know, football and hockey do, where it's like in baseball, it's, it's a slow moving, it's not a, a super exciting sport. And obviously Vegas is a fast, exciting lifestyle. And I, I just, I don't know if that it's going to work out all that well. What's a, what would be the best baseball market that doesn't have a team? What, New I mean, Orleans or no? I I, I don't know. Random, I've been thinking about cities. this. Honestly, I, I think Charlotte is the one. Like I think that they need another team in the Southeast other than the Braves. And Charlotte, Nashville is another Ten- one. I was, I was maybe, literally just about to say Nashville. I mean, like, Vanderbilt is is awesome. Yeah, Tennessee doesn't baseball. have a baseball team. Yeah, I mean, I I think that to me, if I'm I'm looking at one, it would be Charlotte or Nashville. But that would totally throw things off if you have them in the AL West and you lose a California team. So my guess is that the A's end up going to Vegas, and if anything, there's expansion that would get a team in like Charlotte or Nashville, and maybe a team in Montreal. Which I don't understand the desire to bring baseball back to Montreal. The Expos had one good season, and then they stopped being able to sell out, and that's why they left. So. But yeah, I I don't know how it's going to play out um, in terms of, you know, some of those other cities. But if it ends up being Vegas, like, I mean, I'll I'll probably go to a game there if the if the Red Sox or the Pirates are playing in Vegas. Like that'll be appealing to try to 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 make it work around then. Even if I'm going to have to be there in like 110 degree July August summer heat. I do agree um, with you though. I don't think it'd be but... as great of a baseball market as it is for football and hockey though. It... I don't mm-hmm. think it would be the same. No, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm underestimating the uh the 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 cravings that you know Las Vegas folks have for for just anything sports after not having a team for so long and now getting two, three, including the Aces and the WNBA. So maybe maybe they can make it work, and it'll obviously be a very very fun uh, attraction for for road fans. So that could maybe be enough to make it be a success but regardless i would love for the a's to be able to stay in oakland and keep oakland with at least one team all right so let's uh stick with baseball with question three about one quarter of the way through the 2021 season the boston red sox are tied for the most wins in major league baseball are you buying into their hot start uh yes and no i mean i think i remember in the beginning of the year all i wanted for them is to not suck and they're passing <laughs> with flying colors <laughs> yeah. by being yeah, one of the definitely be- don't suck. Yeah, by being one of the best teams in baseball right now. Uh, can they keep this up? I don't know in terms of the division and contending for a World Series title, but I think they can be interesting till to the end of the year, whether they are a division winner or a wild card contender. I think that's actually possible because uh, I I'm definitely a believer in their offense. Uh, I think J.D. Martinez is back to the 2018 form where we saw him being... Even though Mookie Betts won the MVP, I think J.D. Martinez was the biggest difference maker in their lineup. I I think that highly of him as a hitter. And he's looking like the 2018 uh, version uh, right now at the moment. And then Xander Bogarts is one of the most underappreciated uh, athletes in Boston. I I don't think people realize how good of a player he is. He's probably, he's arguably the best shortstop in baseball. Uh, just um, amazing hitter, great fielder, does does everything right. And and then Alex Verdugo, he, he's been very solid this year as well uh, as a, a second batter in their order. And then Devers has been good. I like their offense. I, I, I even before the season started, I 
I thought their offense would be just fine. And that's definitely proving to be the case. What my question yeah. was, was their pitching and their pitching is, is not amazing, but it is better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I'm not buying them yet as like a true World Series contender, but I absolutely feel much more confident in their playoff chances than I did coming into the season. I mean, my expectations were low, but they weren't like I, I wasn't thinking that this team would be a disaster. I, I thought, thought they would be, be like a 500 team. Yeah. 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 Finished in third place and missed the playoffs. That was my yep, expectation. And that, that can certainly still happen. But like you said, the hitting has been great. And a big part of that is J.D. Martinez is back to where he used to be. He's batting 342, 10 homers, 33 RBIs. His ops is over a thousand, just like Xander Bogarts. Rafael Devers, eleven home runs, thirty-four RBIs, and yeah, Hunter Renfro has been solid too. Another outfielder along with Verdugo. So, I I I agree with you. I believe in the Red Sox offense, but it's it's the pitching which has has been better. Um, I yeah, don't know how long the, it's going to last. The offense though, that's, that's my concern. Their offensive production is sustainable. Their pitching, I have my doubts i'm not saying it that yeah, and it's it's not, not like saying, it's been amazing it just hasn't been terrible yeah, and is really I, the, the thing i don't know how long they can keep that up i i mean after Avaldi, it in terms of the name recognition i'm not saying production this year in terms of name recognition yeah. i had had my doubts but nick pavetta he's five and oh with a three. nick pavetta's in great yeah, yeah he's been there probably their best pitcher starting pitcher mm-hmm. this year and then uh garrett richards he was awful at one point his debut is oh he was really bad so bad in his debut and i thought that was going to be disastrous but he's been a little bit better of late he's yeah he's he's recovered a little yeah and uh erod i mean we'll see how long he can stay healthy i have my doubts i know he won 20 games uh a while back but i have my doubts that he can stay healthy for an entire season their bullpen i thought would be a train wreck but it's actually been Pre- it's been all right. It's been pretty solid. Yeah. Matt Barnes. Mar- he, Matt Barnes. He, he's he's held yeah, his own as a Matt closer. Matt Barnes is a closer. I did not think that would actually work no, out. And no, I did not at now, all. Now I know he blew the save versus the Angels the other day, but uh-huh. I mean, it took him till middle of May to blow his first save. That's good. Yeah, it was it was an Otani home run. Yeah, right? it was and it was, was, and it was against yeah, so. yeah, it was against an MVP candidate. So yeah, I don't totally blame him. Uh, so I, we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm trying to be optimistic given the hot start, but at the same time, I'm not trying to read cautiously too much into optimistic it. is the yep. right way to describe Absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, question number four: Medina Spirits Kentucky Derby victory was called into question after he tested positive for a steroid after the race. Should he have been allowed to run in this past weekend's Preakness Stakes? Yeah, so I mean, I guess just talking about Medina Spirit and the steroid, he tested positive for an anti-inflammatory steroid called betamethasone after the race. And the rules on betamethasone is that horses are allowed to take it, but there has to be a 14-day withdrawal period. So basically, you can use it. Um, it's just kind of like an ointment, I think. Uh, yeah, I know there's a pill ointment. form. Yeah, that was okay. That was what the horse used. Yeah, and basically, um, I mean, I. It's something that I guess the the horse. So, I mean, let me let me kind of run through the full background on this because I will say I, I was I watched the Preakness I and too. I felt a little. It, it felt weird having Medina Spirit running this and like they were kind of talking about it and it's just like okay, well, like yeah, he has a chance to win the Triple Crown, but then maybe tomorrow he'll have his Kentucky Derby win stripped away anyway. 
Uh, so it was just like a very, very odd experience. But uh, this is from his Wikipedia. So this kind of gives the background. I kind of want to just use this to kind of no, throw no. out my thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. And, all right. So one week after the Kentucky Derby was run, Bob Baffert, who is the trainer, basically the only name in horse racing that I know. Yeah. Like it's him and John like the Velasquez guy looks like, who rode the horse. Yeah, the guy who looks like Ric Flair, right? Yeah. With the blonde hair. Yeah, he, um, yeah he's, uh, I know him for... I guess good reasons because he's successful. It's like always his horses that win, but there's also a lot of negatives to him. And uh, yeah, his, uh, his horses being uh, steroid users are part of that. So, so Baffert's assistant, Jimmy Barnes was informed the Kentucky horse racing commission that post race testing on Medina spirit showed 21 picograms per milliliter of the anti-inflammatory steroid betamethasone. In Kentucky, betamethasone is classified as a Class C drug that is permitted for therapeutic use in horses, but requires a 14-day withdrawal time. So, you can use it. You just gotta you gotta wait. You can't use it the day before a race. Any amount of the drug detected in post-race testing is a violation and can result in a disqualification. In a news conference on May 9th, Baffert said that Medina Spirit was never administered betamethasone. So, all right, he tested positive, but he was never administered. The horse went behind. Baffert's back and took this steroid. Okay. In addition to a request for a split drug sample, Baffert also requested an independent DNA and follicle test. He told reporters that he would fight the issue tooth and nail because I owe it to the horse, I owe it to the owner, and I owe it to our industry, which fair. You know, if you really think that this is like a a thing that just happened and you don't have a real reason behind it, then all right, fight. Okay. Shortly thereafter, Churchill Downs suspended Baffert from ending any horses at their racetrack pending the outcome of the commission's investigation. And then here's my favorite part of this. Baffert also added that he felt that the horse was a victim of Oh, yeah, culture. cancel culture. Like, yeah. what? A horse testing oh. positive for steroids? It's cancel culture? Why? What? Like... The horse was a victim of cancel culture? Like, I get it. If Baffert wants to say, like, people are trying to cancel me because I win all the time and I have a little bit of controversy to me or, like, whatever. You can say the, the horse. horse. Who's out to get the horse? And it's like, it tested positive for steroids. People aren't saying that the horse was, like, fondling fillies in the stable after the race. Like, it's, <laughs> like what? What? A horse is a victim of cancel culture? Like, that was... Uh, and then at... Uh, yeah, that, that was my At favorite one part point, too. Yeah, yeah. Baffert theorized that prior to the race, Medina Spirit might have eaten hay. Yeah, t- on which tainted groomed, hay. Had taken cough medication. Yeah. Had urinated. Like, what? Uh, okay, yeah. That that's it. All, all right. And then, of course, he changes his tune. May 11th, Baffert released a statement through his attorney saying that veterinarians treated Medina Spirit with Onamax, an antifungal ointment, from after the horse's second place finish in the Santa Anita Derby until the day before the Kentucky Derby. Baffert claimed that Onamax was used to treat dermatitis on the horse's hind end. He did not realize that the ointment had betamethasone until after the positive tests were reported. So the classic, I tested positive for a steroid. I took something I didn't know was a banned substance. I didn't know it was in it. It's on me. Basically every football player out there. Yeah, every football player, except in this case, it's a horse. Uh, And then Baffert said he never attempted to game the system or get an unfair advantage and quoted pharmacologists who told him that 21 picograms of betamethasone would have no effect on the outcome of the race. (laughs) I mean, you know, I want to kind of believe this, that it was an accident, that it wasn't intentional. But the fact that a horse was potentially given a steroid, it's not a good look for racing. And 
in the Preakness, so in, in the Kentucky Derby, uh, Medina Spirit won wire to wire. In the Preakness, Medina Spirit was running the whole I, way I saw both and then races. fell behind at yeah. the end. Yeah, fell behind at the end. Something was different between the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby. Could just be a coincidence, but maybe it's more. It looked than like that. it got maybe a this... flat tire in the Preakness. Yeah, the, right. The, like something. The final stretch of the Preakness. Like it, it was missing something. Like the the uh, you know the pregame routine wasn't wasn't the same as it should have been. So I uh, I mean it, it it's kind of sketchy. I'm kind of sketchy. Spirit didn't win. Oh uh, no, it's uh, very super sketchy. shady. It's very is sketchy. what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know it's uh I, it's not. I'm someone not that, a great look for the sport. I'm someone that honestly I'm honestly just conditioned to all the the cheating that happens in sports where it's really just like ah whatever i mean even the the astros one like a lot of people were rightfully outraged i was like you know what whatever like this sucks but horse horse racing really that's that's where we've gone to now horse racing (laughs) when you you, when when you're doing it for another for another animal that 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 one it it doesn't sit well yeah that definitely doesn't that's that's the one that honestly sits uh, the least uh well for me out of all the cheating that happens, whether it's with the the Patriots of Spike and Deflategate or the Astros or Lance Armstrong, like all these other sports, I really could not care less. But <laughs> this a horse, yeah, you gotta cheat for a horse to win a race to get to put money in your pocket. That that's the one that I I can't I can't get behind. <laughs> No, I I definitely can't either. Um, and then, so one thing I will say in terms of like rooting against Medina Spirit, like obviously part of it was that whole like you know not wanting this like tainted Triple Crown, but at the same time, American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown in 2015, first time in I think 37 years since Affirmed won it. So that was really cool. But then three years later, Justify won the Triple Crown again, and now it's like and sa- it, it's and starting same- to feel like less special. And, and Bob Baffert was. What is the guy for the trainer for both yeah, of them, right? The trainer for both of them, right? Yeah, I don't want to see a triple crown happen all the time. I want to see a it's gap. Like, uh, like at, at this point, it, it's kind of cheap. It, it, it's kind of like no hitters now in baseball. Where uh, oh, I know there've been it's four, like every other week four no hitters. Once Wade Miley threw a no hitter, you remember him with the Red Sox and yeah, how right. how great yeah. he was. Once he did <laughs> it, I'm like, all right, well, this kind of cheapens the the idea of a no hitter. Now I'm now it's at the point where I'm rooting for for it to not happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm the same way. It it's like it it takes away from the fact that it it happens all the time now. Yeah. Like perfect game. Give me one of those. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Could, those are still super yeah, rare. I I couldn't agree more. How many perfect games have there been? I know this is so off topic. I think but it's twenty. I think it's twenty three. Twenty three. I, I would have guessed. I want to say twenty. I would have guessed even less. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, let's wrap this up with question five. I'm like. Trying to get the Penguins. No, I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, halftime at the the Hornets Pacers game right now. Uh, all right, so question five: Following the recent CDC announcement that vaccinated individuals no longer need to wear a mask nor physically distance while out in public, many stadiums are starting to open at full capacity. How do you feel about potentially ending attending a packed stadium for a sporting event right now? Part of me would feel really uncomfortable because I'm, I'm I've talked about in the past that I'm I remember when I went Christmas shopping the the one day I did it it felt so uncomfortable being there with how many people that there were and I talked about how I I I care more about my the personal social distance from people than the mass like which I know is probably not 
which is probably not a well-informed opinion, but that's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) I care care way way more about the distance. Uh, But at the same time, because of how long we've been in a pandemic, I want things to go back to normal as quickly as possible. And I'm also at the point where I'm craving sports so much that, you know what, maybe I would feel okay about it. So there's a part of me that's it's I know it's kind of a conflicting opinion where part of me feels uncomfortable just given how many how many people attend a, a sporting event at full capacity, but at the same time uh, I want the world to go back to normal as possible. And given that the Bruins are in the playoffs right now, it makes such a big difference when there's a packed full uh, ar- arena, uh, especially in the playoffs for the Bruins. So. I'm kind of in favor of it, and would I go to one? Like, yeah, sure. But would, in the back of my mind, I would also feel a little uneasy about it at the same time. So, I mean, this is also like kind of under the pretense that you're fully vaccinated. Like, I know you're yeah. still waiting on the second shot, yeah. but yeah, when when it gets to that point. And like, I, I get that. I, I think that part of me, it's, it's still like kind of going from the shift to always having to wear a mask, go out in public, always trying to keep my distance from people if I'm out in a store or whatever like it it and then to all of a sudden be like we can go back to normal society you don't have to wear a mask and you just pretend like everything is normal it it there's definitely like some level I don't know if it's even uneasiness but it's almost like you know just not being able to rush right back into it but at the same time I'm fully vaccinated and I trust the science. Everything about it says that it's very unlikely for me to get COVID-19 at this point. It's very unlikely for me to, you know, if I were to get it, for me to be sick or for me to transmit it to someone else. And the CDC is saying you don't have to worry about wearing masks or physically distance for a reason if you're fully vaccinated. So I'm at the point where I'm just like, I'm going to act like I'm fully vaccinated. It might take a little while to kind of ease back into it. I don't know when I'll be going to a sporting event soon, but I'm absolutely going to be going to a game at Fenway Park this year. I was uh, I, robbed I, of a Red Sox game last year for the first time in almost 20 years, and I don't want that streak to go on any longer. Yeah, I, I want to get back I, in there. I, I, I want to as well. No matter how low I get on the sport, I still want to go to a game, one game at least every single year, because I do enjoy uh, going to the, the experience of going to a game still. Absolutely. I'm uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I know when I get in there, it in some senses, it might feel a little weird depending on when it is. But at the same time, it's going to it's going to feel awesome to be back. And if the Penguins and the Hurricanes meet at some point in the playoffs, I would love to be able to walk across the street wearing my Sidney Crosby jersey and a sea of red and black. And my only fear is uh, getting beat up by some drunk Hurricanes fans after Jake Gensel and Brian Rusk were two goals and the Penguins win five to three. So I'm uh, I'm very excited about things kind of getting back to normal, at least for me and, you know, for others who are fully vaccinated. And that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it is like I get that there's still this pandemic going on, but we're at the point where everyone who has access, you know, like you, you can get it if you want it. And anyone I don't know that we should continue to bend over backwards for people who are just not going to get the vaccine, because ultimately, it does not look like we're going to get to that point, at least in a lot of places, you know, throughout the country. I know Massachusetts is doing very well in other parts of New England in terms of vaccinations, But there are other states where here in North Carolina, we got to 40% pretty quickly. But we I mean, I think it's like 42%. It's been sitting barely above 40% in the last uh, 
last few weeks now. So, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense at this point to keep this going when we have this level of protection that's already kind of been established and, you know, people have made up their minds at I, this I think point it's whether a, they're going to get it. I, I think it's absurd that Canada is still <laughs> locked down. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's I mean, last year. The, the U.S., it's at the point where we have too many vaccines and we need to start giving them to other countries. Like India? It's, it, yeah, India could use it and give them across to Canada. You know, all these other countries where it's like they've taken it much more seriously than we have. Like they deserve to be able to get these vaccines and be able to get on with their lives as well. Because, you know, it, it's meaningful. We, we play sports against them. The Blue Jays can't go back to Toronto right now. I have no idea what the North Division is going to do when there's one team left and, uh, you know, they have to face teams from the U.S. Yeah, that, so. that, that, it, <laughs> that thought has crossed the back of my mind that, okay, well, when the North Division, when, when it gets to the Final Four teams, like what exactly happens with the North Division? Do they, do they cross the border and do they have to, still have to stay in the U.S. or can they go back to Canada? I mean, I've time will tell yeah i mean with the quarantines that they have in place i don't know uh but what they should do if they really can't travel back and forth from the u.s to canada is they should go to buffalo so that way sabers fans can remember what it's like to have playoff hockey even they've had playoff <laughs> it's not hockey? their own team oh. <laughs> yeah right i'm, I'm joking know, but i mean it's been like, yeah, how long decade. has it been since they've been I think 2010 is the last time the series made it. And like if it's Toronto especially, it's you know right across the uh you know Lake Ontario or whatever, Lake Erie. So I think that would be a a nice nice little gesture by the NHL. And Buffalo if, is uh, an hour. The Maple Leafs can't play at home. Buffalo's about an hour away from Yeah, home. it's not far from the border. I mean, you know, I imagine most people in Buffalo are not Maple Leafs fans, but you know like I said, Sabres fans, they would love to go there even if they, even if they're not rooting for one team in particular to... just to be able to say there's playoff hockey in Buffalo. <laughs> They just ha- they get to experience, yeah, like you said, playoff hockey yeah. in some sort of way, right? So, uh, speaking of playoff hockey, the Penguins and the Islanders just dropped the puck. So I'm uh I'm definitely looking forward to being able to watch this while editing. Let's uh kind of get ready to wrap this up. And Brian, I do know before we wrap up, you want to talk about the PGA Championship that's coming up this weekend. Maybe give us some predictions and uh see if you can you can nail this one. Tell us why Brian Bryson DeChambeau is finally going to win a major. <laughs> Well, he he does have a major. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he, I know he won, he won the U.S. Open, Open last year by <laughs> six shots. Uh, yeah. So I I do like Bryson again as usual, uh, but in terms of winning the tournament, I I I, I like Rory uh, McIlroy a lot. I I think he's the favorite, uh, number one favorite to win it all, but uh, to win the PGA Championship. But I and I would agree with that. I think I think he deserves to be the favorite, and I think that's who's going to win. I. Uh, Back in 2012, uh, the PGA Championship took place at Kiwa Island, which is where the 2021 cha- PGA Championship is taking place this year. And he won uh, at 13 under, and second place finished at five under. He he beat <laughs> he oh, wow. beat the tournament by eight shots uh, back in 2012, okay. uh, and he's back in the form now as well. Uh, after he had a disastrous Masters appearance, he. Uh, finished first uh, at the Wells Fargo Championship, and uh, looking at uh, correlated courses, since we don't have a lot of data on this course. Uh, a lot of courses that compare to uh, this year's PJ Championship include Bay Hill and uh, Quail Hollow, which is where the Wells Fargo Tournament takes place. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, Bay Hill, Beth Page, Beth Page, 
uh, Black and Mirfield, and those are all terms that Rory has excelled in. And I think I think it's uh, I think it sets up well for him. And and because I suck at taking picking winners, and for whatever reason <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at picking sleepers, I will pick a sleeper. And I don't know what con- constitutes as a sleeper, but for this uh, segment. I will just use it as someone that you probably have never heard of. Okay. That's what I yeah, use. Like Will Zalatoris last time. Yeah. Uh, do you know Keegan Bradley? Yes, I have heard of him. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I, well, I will. He is, he is my sleeper pick, okay. even though you've heard of him. I, I mean, I haven't uh, heard that name in a long time, but I yeah, have heard of but him. In his last six appearances, he's finished uh, 10th, 29th, 20th, 23rd, 2nd, and 18th. So he's finished in the, basically in the top 30. For his past six events, and on in the entire PGA Tour, for the past six weeks, he ranks third in strokes gained tee degree in the entire PGA Tour, behind Colin Morikawa, who won last year's PGA Championship. And he's the—I think he's the only winner I've gotten right. I don't even think I was on air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we definitely didn't. So I don't even think that. that 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 probably doesn't even count. But he's the only time I've gotten the winner right. Uh, so Morikawa, who won last year's PGA Championship, and then Justin Thomas, who won the 2017 PGA Championship, and Keegan Bradley has a major uh, in his past, which was the 2011 uh, PGA Championship. So he he has the game to compete in this major, and uh, the only thing that's holding him back is his putter, uh, which can be atrocious at times. But other than that, his game is in a good place, and I think uh, it's a solid sleeper pick. All right, so one name you didn't throw out there is Jordan Spieth. Uh, to I, complete the Grand Slam, yeah, I think he will definitely contend. Yeah, he's the name that I, I just did I'm a quick hot. Google search. He was I the first name that popped up, so I'm like, all right, he's going to be my guy. Yeah, that's that's a great pick. I I don't want to give out every single name be, because oh. if I do that and yeah. the winner comes out of the 10 names I pick, I pick, oh, did you, see, did you see that winner I picked out of the <laughs> dozen guys I took? No way. What's going on? Yeah. Brian Russ just scored um, glove hand right over the, the Islanders goalie. So basically oh, nice. the same thing that happened to Tristan Jari every time last game. The Penguins got revenge. All right. One nothing. Oh, wow. Four minutes in. Nice. nice. All right. There we go. Off good to a good start. start. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how long that holds up. But uh, all right. Anyway, yeah, Jordan Spieth, he's he's the guy I'm going to go with just to throw out a name. So yeah, we'll see. You throw out 10 names if Spieth wins. Yeah, that's what I'm only... saying. Like, I don't want to throw out 10 names and yeah. and just pick like all the best players. Like, yeah. that's, I just want to pick one winner and one sleeper. That's There you go. That just works. All right. Well, that'll, that'll wrap up this episode. We might have one next week. We'll see. Um, if we do, obviously, we'll talk more NBA, Stanley Cup playoffs, and other things. Uh, if not, Whenever we do record again, we'll still be talking more NBA and Stanley Cup playoffs. It just might be another round in. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.